It's probably a matter of brain design, of neuroanatomy. Mozart had it. His sister clearly didn't. Jamie called that the wiring. Badness, he thought, was usually a question of faulty wiring. Isabel was not so sure. I read about a rather interesting case of mathematical genius, she said. Nabokov. The author? The one who wrote Lolita? Yes, said Isabel. Nabokov was a mathematical prodigy as a child. He could do elaborate calculations in his head within seconds. Jamie was interested. Musicians were often competent or even more than competent mathematicians. The wiring, perhaps, was similar. At school, his best subject after music had been mathematics, and yet he had always had to approach it slowly, even ploddingly. How do they do it? I just can't imagine how it's possible. Do they have to think it through, or does the answer come to them automatically, just like that? Isabel said that she thought they had their tricks, systems that allowed them to make seemingly instantaneous calculations, just as people with exceptional memories had their mnemonics. Some of it, though, comes to them instantly because they just know it. She took a sip of her iced tea and looked at Jamie. You wouldn't have to think, would you, if I asked you what number multiplied by itself gives you nine? She smiled encouragingly. Would you? Three. You didn't have to work that out. Jamie replied that the answer had simply been there. He had, in fact, seen the figure three. Then perhaps it's the same for them, said Isabel. The work is done at a subconscious level. The conscious mind doesn't even know it's being done. She returned to Nabokov. He was capable of amazing calculations, and then suddenly he became ill with a very high fever. When he recovered, his mathematical ability had gone, just like that. The fever affected the brain? Yes, burned out the wiring, as you might say. How strange. Yes, very. They looked at one another wordlessly. Each knew that the other was thinking of their young son, Charlie, now an energetic three-and-three-quarter-year-old, energetic but currently asleep in his bedroom on that summer morning that was already growing hot. An uncharacteristic heat wave had descended on Edinburgh and the east of Scotland. It brought with it not only a summer languor, but the scent of the country into the town, cut hay, baked hillsides, heather that was soon to flower purple, the sea at Cramond. Isabel broke the silence. So what exactly did he say? Jamie's reply was hesitant. I think it was something like this. You know those bricks of his, the yellow ones? Isabel did. They had on them bright pictures of ducks engaged in various pursuits driving a train, drinking tea, flying in small biplanes. And Charlie adored them, even to the extent of secreting one of them under his pillow at night. One could love anything as a child, she thought. A teddy bear, a security blanket, a yellow brick. There were twenty bricks, Jamie went on. We counted them, and he counted with me all the way up to twenty, which is impressive enough if you ask me. But then I said, let's take half of them away. 
I don't know why I said it. I hadn't imagined that he'd be able to cope with the concept of halves. But you know what he said? He said, ten. Just like that. He said, ten. There was more. Then I said, all right, let's put eight bricks here and take half of those away. And he said, four. He didn't even seem to think about it. Isabel was listening intently. Had Charlie ever done anything similar for her? She didn't think so. He had asked some perceptive questions, though, and one or two of them had startled her. The other day, apropos of nothing, he had suddenly said, Brother Fox knew something. Knew not a dog. She'd been momentarily taken aback, but had replied, I think he knows that.